You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers Friday edition. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you. If you're not already sick of us by the end of the week, make sure you check out the Peacock and Williamson podcast, which I am a co-host of, and check out Croc Talk TV, YouTube, and the podcast of Croc Talk. Uh, getting into uh, all kinds of things, DB, wide receiver, 49ers related, NFL related. On fantasy Talk. football now. In fantasy football, that's right. He's got a little partnership there, so go uh, check out Croc Talk and find out what's going on there. Today we're talking about DBs, though, on this program. We are going to give a scouting report. The last scouting report we have to do on the rookies, Talanoa Hufanga, safety from USC. Strengths, weaknesses, how does he fit in to this 49ers depth chart? And then we'll try to project out the depth chart at the safety position. We think we know who the starters are. What about those last couple of spots? How many do they take? What's up for grabs there? At BD Peacock, at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. Get in some of those mailbag questions for next week. And who knows, maybe we'll have time to hit one on today's program. Actually, you know what, Croc? Before we get to the scouting report, let's start with this question. Because it's one I want to get to. And it pertains to coverage, and it sort of ties in one of our subjects earlier on this week when we were talking about scheme and how the 49ers scheme might look and how uh, different players have been brought in and, and and what the 49ers defense could look like. Uh, I think it was Trevor here has a question. He says, hey, guys, love the new pods. I'd love to hear you guys discuss the pass rush versus coverage debate. Would you rather have a stud pass rusher or lockdown corner on your defense? Also, still waiting for that Madden showdown, by the way. And he tags Bay Area Wink as well. Yeah, you know what? I'm ready for that Madden showdown too. I get the feeling Wink might not want to bring that up because I think he knows how it might end. But uh, I want to see it. I I can't wait to see that thing live stream on Twitch. I I want to check that out for sure. When I get back from Minnesota, we'll have to set that up. Okay, that sounds good. So what do you think? Pass rush versus coverage? It's a chicken or the egg debate. I know the pro football focus folks recently have come to the conclusion that corners are more valuable and maybe even the second most valuable position in the NFL after quarterback. I personally would put corners fourth after edge pass rushers, then offensive tackles, then corners to me. So the question is, would you rather have a stud pass rusher or a lockdown corner on your defense? I'm going to go stud pass rusher because I think that helps everybody in coverage. Whereas uh, the one lockdown corner, you still might have some problems on the other side of the ball. You might have some problems at linebacker. And I think the 49ers have done well to focus on the defensive line because I think it's really important. It can help everybody out. So if I'm just getting one of those two things, I'm talking pass rush over lockdown corner. But I'm still trying to find really good players with both of those. No matter what my scheme is, I don't care if it's zone, I don't care if it's man. I want really good players on the line that are getting after the opposing quarterback. And I want really good coverage guys. Like that, That's got to be a priority in the NFL. Yeah, if I had to choose between the two, I'm definitely going defensive line as well. Like me as a defensive back, I understand like how pivotal having a pass rush is. You can be the most locked down cornerback in the league, but if your pass rush consistently, or you can be the most locked down cornerback in the league. But if your pass rush isn't consistently getting there, mm-hmm. you're going to be coming for, covering for too long. And I think that's when you see, and you'll you'll hear this with PFF, you know, the, the, the consistency with coverage grades is really up and down. And I think that's why they may lean a little bit more towards prioritizing a cornerback. I think that's how I heard them say it, as opposed to a, a defensive lineman. No, that you know what? I think, it was, I think it was the opposite. Okay, it's the I opposite. I think pass rush grades 
are a little bit more up and down, so it's easier project to project how consistent a corner is going to be. And yeah, I think that is part of it for them. And I think part of it is just how many corners need to be on the field, how many players have to cover these days, I think also might be part of it. But the thing is, there's not many lockdown corners that exist anymore. Like, that's almost the thing that's completely gone. The, the game is way too spread out, and they've really simplified the game for offense. And really, it seems like all the rules that they make lean more towards offense. So if you can get a guy, especially an edge rusher, that can consistently cause pressure, right? We talk about Nick Bosa on the last podcast. And, you know, yeah, he didn't have great sack numbers. I think he was at, what, nine and a half, ten sacks or whatnot. But the pressures were there. And if you're consistently getting back there, you're speeding up the clock of the quarterback. Well, who's that going to help? That's going to help your back end. So regardless of if you have lockdown guys, which the 49ers had really a historically great passing uh, pass coverage defense in 2019, historically great. Number one against the pass, I believe, obviously like number one, number two defense in the entire NFL with the Patriots right there. But the, the 49ers cornerbacks, it, you know, Richard Sherman played at a very high level, but I don't think he was like a shutdown, lockdown corner as we've seen him in his career. I believe that Richard Sherman, as well as everybody else on the back end, really benefited from D, uh, D Ford and Nick Bosa and Buckner and all these guys causing havoc every single time a quarterback dropped back. Mm-hmm. Like it, and, and really it just takes a few of those early pressures to even just give the illusion that there's consistent pressure. And that alone is going to speed up the quarterback's time clock and make everything easier for uh, the back end. You know, the quarterback's going to start rushing passes. Passes might start to flutter out of his hands. He might start to move and kind of feel like he has to throw it before he wants to. And all that benefits the secondary. So if I had to take a, a shutdown corner and average edge rusher, as opposed to uh, a great edge rusher, and average corner, I go with the gray edge, average corner, and I feel like I, I, I'm comfortable with that decision. And that's me being a corner and just understanding how much a gray edge rusher helped me. What is the most difficult thing to teach a corner? Because you work with a lot of young players, you train a lot of guys. Is it just the flat out, look, you're not athletic enough to do this? Or... If you've got some base level athleticism, is there enough skill that you could teach somebody? Because we've seen small, slow slot guys play amazing in the NFL. Is it uh, physicality? Is it just pure feet? Uh, Like, what is the thing that really would hold a young DB back if he's trying to be great? I'd say probably technique and eye discipline. Like, that's going to hurt you. I, I think overall, like, even outside of the, like, physical aspect of it the mental part of the game that that can take you out of it because like say somebody like me I try to use myself as a baseline for a lot of different examples when it comes to cornerbacks but when I was with the New York Jets like Eric Crocker can play cornerback like that's not an issue we're doing one-on-ones I think all of OTAs doing one-on-ones we did one-on-ones at OTAs but all the OTAs doing one-on-ones uh, doing 707 team stuff even heading to the actual like uh, training camp stuff I didn't give up a catch Right. One on one is like, that's fine. Put me out there and cover anybody. But when it comes to the actual defensive aspect of everything and truly understanding exactly what your responsibility is, that's where you start to kind of mess guys up. And if you're not getting a ton of reps with it and you don't really have a full on grasp of it mentally, a guy that me, who's not the fastest guy in the world, I ran a four, five, five in that area, four, five, three, four, five, five, four, five, seven in that range. Like, 
now I'm playing even slower because I'm thinking so much. So now everybody talks about if you ask most people, hey, man, what's the biggest difference from going from college to the NFL? They'll tell you, oh, it's faster. But the people aren't actually faster. They're, everybody's just playing faster because they are a step ahead mentally. So if you're cornerback and they start to throw all these things at you that you don't face in college, right? Colleges, they typically line up and they just run the play. There's not a whole lot of motions and tricky stuff, tricky formations and things like that. They just line up in something and then they play in the NFL. And this is where people don't truly understand. They can line up and bunch right. And then, and I know what my responsibility is based on the coverage that we're running and the formation that I'm seeing. And then once a guy motions to the other side, the play changes. Like my responsibility changes. And you can motion if you do, and you see this sometimes where one guy motions, but then the running back goes to the other side. Now my responsibility changes again. And these are things that you have to really be able to diagnose at the snap of a finger. And if you are a tick late, you're, it, it's, it, it could be over and you're going to end up in a vulnerable position. You got to hope that the pass rush gets there or you got to hope that the court quarterback doesn't see it. But a lot of times they're doing it because they know this can put you in a bind, but the mental aspect of it is one of the biggest hurdles for a lot of young guys. Yeah. That's why it's so hard for a rookie to play in the NFL and playing fast. Isn't so much your athleticism. It's your mind. How fast can you play yeah. in your mind and, and get to where you want to be? It, it reminds me actually of something I just saw recently. For some reason I saw a clip of, you know, Brian Scalabrini the former NFL or the former NBA player, big white dude. Yeah, uh, there's this thing he did called the Scalenge, I think it was, where he just goes and plays dudes one on one who think they can beat NBA players. And he's like, you know, a backup NBA player retired. And he goes out and challenges people that that say online, basically, that they can beat an NBA player. They can take him on. And he destroys these people, you know, and, and they're like good, <laughs> good players at your local Y. But he, he that was white mama, man. Right, white mama. He, yeah. Uh, and he crushes them. But he was talking about how one of the big things that goes underrated is that once he sees maybe one or two possessions from a, a guy he's guarding off the street. He has to be so fast mentally. He has to know by where your foot pressure is, how you're holding the ball. Uh, you know, he's seen you take a couple dribbles. He knows what you have already. And he said with his slow feet, that's how he could defend in the NBA and get buys because he had to use his mind more than anything and take those little cues and knows know what players are going to do even before they did it. Because if he moved after a guy moved in the NBA, he would be completely screwed and so when he takes on these guys at the y he sees you dribble the ball one time he knows what he can do to shut you down he knows like where you're going to go with a move before you even do it and he said that's a big part of shutting a lot of these folks down is not only is he big and and uh, more athletic than they think and he can shoot and he can do all that stuff and has all these moves but he knows what you're going to do before you do it and it, it's how a lot of athletes that are great are able to play great because how quick their mind is and the nuances they're able to pick up in the game. And I assume defending in the NBA is probably a lot like playing DB in the NFL where you have to take so many cues and know what you're doing and be so athletic because the guys on the other side are freaky and uh, it's not an easy task. Yeah, I mean, you know, an example of that on the football field as well is like Richard Sherman, who mm -hmm. I think is a little bit over-exaggerated with his lack of athleticism, right? Like, you know, people throw that out there like, he wasn't a great athlete. Like, he was never – like, no, Richard Sherman was a really good athlete. But he wasn't the best athlete, right? And if you look at a lot of the guys that are, you know, first ballot Hall of Fame cornerbacks into the NFL, like, they're all physical freaks, right? From Deion Sanders, Rod Woodson, Dale Green, Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson wasn't a physical freak as much, but obviously terrific. Um, Champ Bailey – 
like uh, Patrick Peterson, probably like a lot of these guys are just physical freaks where Sherman wasn't physical freak, but what made it to where he is going to be a first ballot hall of famer. It, it was the mental aspect of it and how, you know, he was able to pick up on concepts and understand and really be able to dominate in a scheme that fit his ability and then be able to play fast because his eyes and understanding like, all right, if this guy goes flat out, I know this guy's going in. I could be a step ahead of it. I don't have to just react. And I think that helped him a lot throughout his career, the mental side of things. And that's why he excelled so much. So, you know, like Scalabrini, I'm not comparing Richard Sherman's athleticism in football to Scalabrini's <laughs> athleticism on the basketball court, <laughs> but just in, in general, in the sense of right. not being the freaky four, three guy that's with lightning quick feet and whatnot, like how can you still be successful? And I think Richard Sherman uh, showed us that. Something maybe the 49ers rookie safety will have to be able to do in the NFL to stick the scouting report on Talanoa Hufanga coming up. I always love it when I get a new flavor from Built Bar, and there's a fantastic one that I've tried, and the stamp of approval, Grasshopper Cookie. Only available this week. Order through July 9th, so get on it quickly. What does it taste like? It's the Built Bar version of the classic Thin Mint Cookie. You know what I'm talking about. It's fantastic. Those classic flavors, and the best part is, is without all that sugar. Only 150 calories, but with 17 grams of protein and only 5 grams of sugar. A snack you can feel good about and that tastes fantastic, all covered in delicious 100% real chocolate. So order today at Built.com. Yes, it's a shortened URL now. You just got to go to Built.com. That's it. Built.com. Dot com. Built Bar is also official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. By the way, use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Crocker shutting down, what, uh, Stephen Hill, Jeremy Curley, Santonio Holmes. Who are you going up against in practice that you were locking oh, up? Oh, man. You brought back some memories. Braylon Edwards was there. <laughs> oh, Braylon Edwards. Uh, there you go. Oh, that was a good matchup. Uh, okay. So Jeremy Curley got me. I remember he got me in, in practice one time at the line of scrimmage. He made me turn around. I remember that. My technique was bad then. And it's crazy be, like how I got so far with having bad technique. Nobody really honing in on it. You know, all these guys have all these different outlets now and trainers like myself or other people. And I, I do it because of my situation, but I didn't know anything about technique and stuff. I was just out there playing off natural athleticism, almost six foot two corner, 195 to 200 pounds with solid athleticism. And and I was playing a lot off of that. And, you know, getting to the NFL, I needed more. I I needed the technique to help me be able to stay there. And I I just didn't have, so I wasn't as consistent as I would have liked to be. But when I was 27 playing in my last year, San Jose Sabercats, Everything that I teach now, I learned that year. That was the first time I learned technique. They broke everything down. They broke me down to where it was like, man, and it was frustrating. I had to fight through it, fight through it. Next thing you know, my technique was amazing. And now I teach all of that. So um, I wish I had better technique when I was guarding Jeremy Curley and some of these guys. Uh, Stephen Hill was interesting because, you know, he was a 6'4 guy who ran in the four twos at the combine. I didn't think he played that fast. And he was a little kind of like Bambi with his legs. Really long-legged, yeah. Braylon Edwards, who I admired coming out of uh, college, you know, he he was a guy who was a top draft pick. I want to say maybe number three overall pick to Cleveland Browns. Uh, I obviously faced him at the end of his career, but it was cool being able to go up against him. I believe I was three and zero against him in one on ones. He was uh, and, he was picked right after mm-hmm. Alex Smith, right? 
Wasn't that a 2005 draft? Yeah, he was like, yeah, pick yeah. number two or three, yeah. yeah. And there was like Antonio uh, Antonio Roll in that, but yeah, man, nah, it was fun. There was some, there was some, there was some. I, I don't think the best receivers on that roster. Santonio Holmes was hurt, and I believe he ended up retiring. He had some kind of foot injury, so that whole time I never got to go up against him because he was hurt the whole time. Yeah, some interesting, interesting cats there. This is the one thing about some of these guys that, or not even just him, but in general, that happens, especially when you're at the bottom of the roster and what's really like nerve wracking. They bring guys in every Tuesday to work out and potentially change, change, you know, take your spot. So I saw corners coming in every Tuesday to to work out, try out um, guys like Austin Collie. Remember seeing him out there? Like you know, you you saw that every every Tuesday. So that was definitely something interesting about being at the NFL level. The bottom line is Eric Crocker shut them all down. Whoever it was, I shut them down. Him. At, at Jets camp, uh, if you are a former Jets receiver and you take umbrage to that, at Eric underscore Crocker is where you can find him. Uh, let's talk about some of these 49ers DBs. Who might be able to shut guys down? Let's start, though, with Talanoa Hufanga, the safety from USC, 49ers fifth round draft pick. Croc, could this be one of those magical 49ers fifth round picks that becomes a superstar player or even a really good starter uh, like we've seen with Drake Greenlaw and, of course, George Kittle, the most famous uh, getting first-round value from a fifth-round player. Some folks really like Talanoa Hufunga. Some folks have been a little bit slower to come around. I am one of those that was a little bit slower to come around because, uh, and this is why I lean on you in this podcast, because you were the former DB. You've got the knowledge uh, of what it takes to be a professional defensive back. But I see a guy who's 6 feet, 199. He's got cornerback size. He's got linebacker athleticism. Four six four in the 40. These are pro day times. 35-inch vertical. Uh, pretty nice three cone. Uh, let's see. His broad jump was decent. I think those were his two best workout numbers. Really, when you look at his spider graph versus even other strong safeties around the league, he's just athletically 10 yard split, 20 yard split, 40 yard dash, 20 yard shuttle, even bench press. Uh, we're talking like 20th percentile for even strong safeties in the NFL. So what kind of role does Talanoa have Hafonga play? For you, and, and what just, let's just start actually with his strengths. What do you like about Talanoa Hufunga? He has a high motor. I think that's the one thing that jumps out when you watch his film. We did a full-on breakdown of him on uh, Croc Talk TV. You'd have to scroll through the videos as a while ago, but did a full-on breakdown, and, and that was, if you want to go with the positives, first thing that jumped out, high motor. Looked like he really wanted to get in on action a lot. And for me personally, at least in the games I've seen, I think that's the best part of his game. And I don't think that's necessarily a positive. Yes, if that's the biggest positive. Um, Did you see, because I saw a guy that I'm worried about in coverage, and especially in deep coverage or even covering in the slot, did you see as far as coverage skills from him, is he going to be able to hang as a true NFL safety? I don't think so. Now, okay, so you, you threw out some of his numbers, right? You were like size of a corner, athleticism of a, of a linebacker, right? You skipped over safety and went straight to linebacker. Right. But so here's the thing. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he's trimmed down a ton to run better at the, at the pro day. So at the pro day where he measured in at 6'1", 200 pounds, I think he played at something closer to 215 pounds or so. Mm. Now, here's the sticky part, right? Here's the sticky part. You have guys like... Jaquiski Tart. And I think people 
don't view him as this, but he's kind of a freak a little bit. I mean, the, Tart is big. So if Tart, who's naturally like six foot two, 225 pounds or whatever, and he ran in like the four or fives, like at that size. And you got Hufunga, who wasn't even that big, tried to slim down and run faster and still wasn't nearly the athlete that Tart was coming out. That's kind of an issue. I'm just using them as a comparison as to kind of what they are, especially if you look at 49ers other safety with uh, Ward, who was even more athletically gifted, obviously smaller, but it's, it scares me a little bit that somebody had to slim down from 6'1", to try to run faster, and you still ran 4'6", 4, 4. So what do you run at 215? What do you run at 220? And so you look at guys like Dre Greenlaw, and you mentioned him, and he was kind of an undersized linebacker a little bit, but still, and I think he was kind of there were different kind of things that came out about his time, four seven or yeah, but he ran four like seven, those. but he had a really fast uh, GPS time, so his miles yeah. per hour played faster, basically than what a four seven you would think. Because a small, undersized linebacker four seven, that's not great, but he actually played faster on the field when he was timed out right. with the uh, with the. So GPS. if you can see that, at least you can be like, well, I can hang my hat on this, right? Now you talk about Hufunga and and and, and the poor times and. It's like, well, okay, it's not ideal, not ideal. Maybe that's why he'll go to the fifth round, drop to the fifth round. But even when you watch the film, always was a step late. Oh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times where I'm like, ah, if he just had a little bit more person, a little bit more explosiveness, he would have made that tackle. Like he would have tripped up that guy. He would have been able to get in position to dive and trip up his ankles. And and when you see some of the guys that are a little bit more freakish from an athleticism standpoint. You know, those are things that plays that they make. And I just didn't see quite that from him. I saw a high motor, high motor. So there were plays that he made that looked like kind of like splash plays where it's like, oh, really exciting to see him jump up, tip the ball, pick it off, you know, those type of things. Uh, but just on a consistent basis, what he was uh, consistently on the field, I wasn't too excited to see that. And then when you hear about him being 200 pounds, but he's always around the box, like, you know, now I'm comparing him against a guy like Marcel Harris, who does a lot of that. But even then, he wasn't the freakish, uh, you, the freakish athleticism that even Marcel Harris kind of possesses didn't jump off. So when I look at Hufunga, it's like, well, what do we do with him? Because I hear some people say, well, linebacker, they're going to put him at linebacker. But it's like, dude, he slimmed down to 200 pounds to run, didn't run well. And then, okay, so you want to put him at linebacker. He's still going to be a step slower than everybody who naturally is more athletic than him at that weight. And they, even then, they still weigh more than him where he was 215. These guys are still on the low end weighing two, 230 pounds. So I, I know a lot of people are excited about him. The, a lot of the excitement came because he was like, oh, I want to be a great special teamer. You know, and it's yeah, like, no, I mean, that was a great, that was the right dude. thing to say because that's what he's going to have to do, first of all. But, you know, it, it goes along with you watch him play. It just, he looks like the type of guy that would say something like that, right? Because he plays with his hair on fire. He just, he's built like a special teamer, though, it, mentally from the neck up. He, he plays his butt off and he's fun to watch. I question where he's going to fit, though. On the defensive side of the ball, my my actually, I've you kind of touched on it there. I have one more question for you when it comes to Talanoa Hufanga. We'll finish up uh, what we think of him as a prospect, how he fits in with the 49ers, and then project out the rest of the defensive back rosters, corners, and safeties next. Bet online is the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season in full swing, you can track. All of that all summer long. So many games to bet on. Putting together some parlays I like to do with baseball games. Uh, makes for a fun evening of ball. You get a, an early game, a late game, maybe a, an over-under in there somewhere. There's a UFC, MMA action, obviously, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. 
some goofy celebrity boxing matches. <laughs> of course, you can get on that action as well. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online. Use your laptop, mobile device, whatever you want to check out all the great sporting news and sign-up bonuses with contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head over to betonline.ag. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I think some of the roster projections, Croc, are going to be pretty easy just looking at the numbers and, and who the 49ers have there. So you brought up the linebacker thing. Let's say, so basically Hufanga got down to 200 pounds and he's trying to run fast and he didn't. Is that telling him go back to 215 and become a linebacker? Marcel Harris, <laughs> almost exactly that. He's six feet and a half, 216 pounds. That was Marcel Harris coming out of college. We don't have any workout numbers to compare because he didn't work out because he was injured pre-draft. Um, yeah, he had the Achilles injury. I yeah, right. So Hufanga could be pretty much the, the exact same size as Marcel Harris, essentially, if that's what he played at, closer to 215. If he can get to that, are we talking about dime linebackers there? Is there a new position in the 49ers defense? What are your thoughts? If you, if I told you Hufanga's already back up to 215 tomorrow, would you say, okay, Nate Jerry just got released. Go in the linebacker meetings, or are you telling Hufanga to go in the safety meetings? Is he's a tweener, I guess. He's kind of like the Solomon Thomas of the kind of back end where mm-hmm. Solomon Thomas, ideally, you know, you feel like he played best in the interior, but he's not like kind of a big guy. And, uh, you know, I was just watching the 2019 Week 17 game against Seattle, and I thought he did some really good things, getting off the ball, shooting off the ball. But then you see, boom, gets there. And it's like, I don't quite have the strength, right, to kind of knock guys back. And I think, you know, Hufunga might run into that to where it's like, well, okay, put you at linebacker. That might help his quote unquote lack of high end athleticism for his position. And, but then it's like, well, still not quite quick enough or fast enough, you know, but he has high motor. So I feel like if, if there is any area where he is going to succeed, it would probably be at an off ball linebacker position. Yeah, because in space, I, I'll say this about secondary guys. 49ers are going to a lot more too high, right? Your safeties are going to be asked to do a lot, of, especially in cover four. And cover four, at some point, you're covering a guy in space. Mm-hmm. People can say what they want about Marcel Harris, but I have video evidence of this guy playing off, uh, leverage stepping, and breaking on a route, crossing guys like, I mean, we're talking about in space covering Michael Thomas, cutting off his route and doing some things that are like, wow, that's freaky right there. Like, that's why I'm so high on him because I see these things on film. Hufunga can't – that's not – he's not that type of guy. Like yeah. he, his body can't react in that way. So, ideally, if he is going to be successful, it's definitely going to be a linebacker position. Yeah, we talked about the 49ers playing all that cover four. So, if you're either too high, uh, you know, cover two or, or playing cover four, he's definitely not going to be, you know, cover three or cover one center field free safety type. So, he's going to be a, a box safety, a strong safety either way. But if you're playing cover four and you have to be somewhat interchangeable and you got to drop down and maybe cover someone in the slot – or um, like you're saying, you know, covering someone with with speed uh, on the post. It's like, yeah, that's that's a little bit frightening putting him back there. Um, but maybe he will play quicker at 199 because the tape shows the the bigger version of him. The timing numbers though go along with what I saw on tape, so maybe it's just stay big if you're not going to be fast. That's the way I look at it with with Hufanga. But um, I think a lot of folks are more. 
excited about him than I have been. And I was wondering what your thoughts were because I did not catch your video about it. And uh, somewhat underwhelming, but I understand why they would like the way he plays too. And he, I'm not surprised John Lynch watched him play and said, hey, I like this guy. Well, there, there are some guys that can potentially overcome some of their you know, shortcomings. Mm-hmm. So he can be a guy who understands exactly what his limitations are. And if he works extremely hard and if he can get ahead mentally to where now, oh, well, maybe in college I was a step late on everything, but now I'm playing faster mentally and now I'm kind of either even or a step ahead. That's something I can definitely improve and, and, and help him get on the field. And maybe like a Trey Lance where you, you're kind of betting on the mental mind mental mindset and the makeup of that, maybe that's what's going to help him potentially get on the field. But I think right now, ideally for him, it's going to be maybe trying to, you know, special teams and whatnot. But even then, man, I saw some of these freaks that be on special teams. And I mean, we're, I'm talking about guys that are six, five, 250 pounds and run faster than me and have better change of direction than me. And, and that's, that's kind of scary when you think about it from that standpoint, but he ain't that. Yeah, no, you're you're totally right. He's not that. Uh, so we've got Jimmy Ward and Jaquiski Tart. Obviously, they're the starting strong safety and free safety. If everybody comes in healthy, you mentioned Marcel Harris, Tarverius Moore to IR. That really helps the chances of someone like Marcel Harris. That helps the chances of Hufanga sticking. Tavon Wilson was brought in in free agency. Kind of Kua still around. They brought in Tony Jefferson as well. Jaron Maiden was an undrafted free agent last year. Just looking at the safety position. The 49ers traditionally have only kept four safeties. They kept only three, actually, in 2019 to start the year. They kept five in 2018 and then four every other year. So very likely four. If the rookie Hufanga makes it, Ward, Tart, is Marcel Harris your fourth safety? Yeah, man. I, I just like Marcel well, Harris third a lot. third safety, and I should I, say. I, I like Marcel Harris. I'm not ready to give up on him. You know, I just think he's a guy who has a bunch of potential, but just – for whatever reason, hasn't been able to consistently get the reps. When he did at the end of 2019, I thought he played very well. There's some plays that people want to put on him, and I'm like, dude, Marcel Harris wasn't even in that area in the uh, New Orleans Saints game. But there are a lot of things that he does where I'm just like, wow, you want to talk about somebody challenging himself from a coverage standpoint? He does that extremely well, and I thought he did a terrific job jumping routes. You want to talk about somebody that makes plays? You know, we we talk about – Ward and Tart, right? Their lack of making plays. And, you know, Ward attributed some of it to the, you know, the defense that they played. And maybe it wasn't as aggressive. But I couldn't tell by watching Marcel Harris because he was jumping routes. He was forcing fumbles. I think I saw something that was like in four starts, he had four takeaways or four forced fumbles or something like that. So there's a lot to like in the box. I think he played extremely well, strong, knifing in there, getting tackles at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. His motor was extremely good. But I still think if he, he just, you know, unlike a guy that's a, a a high draft pick where they get a full year to have their ups and downs and be able to play through it, he hasn't had that opportunity. It's been, well, you come in for a couple games where in one of those games, you didn't even get reps in, in practice really, but now you're going to, we're going to throw you in there and hope that you don't make any mistakes. And if you don't, well, he just always makes these type of mistakes. I, I just feel like he hasn't really given a fair, been given a fair shake at, being able to build on even the early production that he's had when he has had to start, but the, the consistency isn't quite there. And I think a lot of it is because, you know, we haven't just seen him start for a full 16 games. Like you'll see somebody like 
Jimmy Ward because he's drafted first round. Well, we'll just start him for a full 16 games and we'll work. He'll work through those things and improve on it going into next year. Harris hasn't had that opportunity. That's a good point. Uh, do you think it's Harris versus Hufanga fighting for the fourth safety spot? Because without more, I'm trying to figure out who the str- who the free safety would be if Ward goes down. Would Tart just go out, out to free Tart. safety? Then you bring in Harris or Hufanga. Could you roll with, if you only kept four safeties to start the season, could it be Ward, Tart, Harris, and Hufanga? Or do you need Tony Jefferson? But Tony Jefferson, is he? he's not really a center fielder type either. Tavon Wilson, like... The 49ers don't have a true, true free safety on the roster aside from Jimmy Ward now that Tarverius Moore has been hurt. Yeah, well, you know, we'll see how if hopefully that doesn't happen right knock on wood. But if it if it does, we'll see how play caller has to adjust to his play calling and, mm. and the personnel that's now on the field right now. You have guys who aren't your traditional single high guys, but Tart was a guy who has played a lot of single high, you know, the, he has the famous interception against the Panthers where you're playing single high, got mm-hmm. a good jump on it. Uh, you know, he can't do some of the things that Ward does in the sense of, you know, Ward being that guy that comes down and plays a lot of, you know, man coverage on on third downs, probably won't ask Tart to do that against guys. But I will say, when you actually go back and watch the film, they do a lot of, for, for every time that Ward is down playing man on number three or number two, it's Harris or Tart playing single, to be over the top, single yeah. high. And it kind of, because it's not like, you know, maybe they don't make a lot of plays from there or whatever. People don't really notice it. But I'd say damn near 50% or 60, I'd say 40% of the time in games, you'll see Tart back there playing single high. And they kind of just, people don't really notice it as much. What do you remember from Tony Jefferson? Like, I feel like he's a thumper, but I didn't watch him closely. The cards with, the Baltimore Ravens, who's like a squattier build, but not a center fielder. Yeah, I think Tony Jefferson, he was never like that freakish cover guy or anything like that. But I think where he helps is just being that savvy veteran, right? That just understands the game. There's probably nothing that he hasn't seen. He's playing in a ton of different uh, defenses. And I think that's what would help Tony Jefferson more so than anything, being able to come in adapt to whatever it is that the 49ers are doing and whatever role they carve out for him, I think he'd play well in that role considering. Whereas, you know, do you want to put in somebody like Hufunga who there's a lot of things he hasn't seen yet and would have to, you know, learn kind of on the fly. So I think that's where a guy like Tony Jefferson could could help. You know, there was uh, Jonathan Cyprian last year who, you know, didn't really get to play in games much, Mm -hmm. but when he – was in practice he was making plays he was getting interceptions and you know he was being productive because guys like him they can they can step in because they have that experience mentally with a bunch of different style of defenses wow i don't remember this we got to wrap this up tony jefferson combine so 511 213 you know so sort of a low to ground low thick body type i remember that he ran a 475 at the combine i did not uh, remember him running so bad that's a terrible time that's not good <laughs> Wow. Okay. Um, so that's maybe why I thought of him more as a box safety type than than a center field type. But uh, looking at his um, looking at his bio, he has played free safety or at least quote unquote free safety in his career. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, if you ask these some a lot of these guys that play safety, they'll say that there's no difference between free and strong. They'll mm-hmm. say they're interchangeable and they have to do both. And I guess me saying that Tart does play single high a lot more than maybe people would expect that kind of backstat, I guess. Yeah, it definitely does. So um, I think 
Niners keep four and cross their fingers that Jimmy Ward doesn't get hurt, right? Tart, Ward, Harris, Hufanga. Those are your four safeties, and maybe you try to stash another guy on the practice squad. Jaron Maiden, maybe. I'm interested in seeing oh. a little bit of Maiden. I, I, I liked yeah. him coming out. I thought he was a really nice free agent signing. That's somebody that can sneak up, and sometimes we, we, we see that, where there's a guy nobody's really talking about. He's an undrafted free agent, does his time, right, practice squad, maybe eventually become a special teamer, and then year three you start to see that guy get a little bit more action, and next thing you know, oh, man, where'd this guy come from? But he's starting at safety for the 49ers, and he's playing well, and they let a guy go, and, and he just kind of takes over that role for the next four years, and we've seen that several times now. Good stuff. We'll cover cornerbacks at a later date and project out the camp battles there. But we'll have every position projected out before training camp, previews of all of our favorite camp battles, whatever's going on with the 49ers, we will have you covered. Talk to you next week. Hit us up on Twitter, by the way, with some of your questions, at BDPeacock, at Eric underscore Crocker. Talk to you then, right here, Lockdown 49ers.